1: Welcome to a very special episode of MSP because this would be uh, the last time that we're airing MSP. Uh, We're going to go on a break during the movement control order, but worry not because you can actually still find MSP on whatever podcast platform that you have. We're doing podcast specials, uh, you know, in the coming weeks until the movement control order has been lifted. So you will still get to hear Uh, Matt Armitage, going through uh, the stuff on how technology is impacting uh, our daily lives. But on today's episode, cultural shifts and calamities, commerce and corporations. Yes, MSP is looking at the rise of Gen C and wondering how the circumstances of today will affect the consumers of tomorrow. Matt, uh, what kind of cultural shift are we looking at with this virus?
0: Hey, morning, Jeff. Um, Well, you know, Commentators are already talking about there being a, a new baby boom in about nine months' time. Um, they're calling this new generation Gen C, obviously after the coronavirus. So it's hard to know exactly what the cultural impact of the virus is going to be. Um, uh, actually, next week, um, the show won't be on, uh, on the station itself, but we'll look a bit more at what the, uh, the post-viral environment for that new generation is going to be not to mention what it's going to be for the rest of us. But, um, you know, when you look at those really big differences in between the generations, the baby boomers had entirely different expectations from their parents' generation. It was the first real generation that experienced a youth culture. And my generation, the, the Xers, were really the first generation that never really grew up. Uh, We still play video games, we still skateboard, we wear sneakers, and for some reason we still think we're cool. Uh, Even though our hair is grey, the kids are grown, and we're on our way to becoming grandparents. So the millennials that came after, they were the first of the truly digital generations. So it's very likely that this virus will mark some kind of cultural divide where the behavior and norms of the society that comes next may actually be very different.
1: In the sense of less
0: social contact? Um, We've been looking at trends in Japan and Korea for uh, a while now. Now. Uh, we've talked about this as the ge- the generation that deliberately isolates itself, that socialises almost exclusively online. And there have been plenty of scornful voices, you know, crowing that uh, these people should get outside and get a life. But for some of those isolated people, this will be proof of the, uh, you know, the negatives that actually come from person-to-person interaction. And the fact is, we're all suddenly being forced to adopt their lifestyle. So one of the most astonishing things about this lockdown so far is for me at least, how many pairs of pyjamas people have.
1: <laughs> well, not everyone has a Cairo tube to sleep in like you. Uh,
0: yeah, you know, it's very useful being able to put my uh, ageing on pause at the end of every day. Um, if only I could actually wake up a day younger every morning. But, um, uh, but where were we? Oh, yeah, we were um, isolation. So splendid. Um, the, the weird thing is, you know, for all that we keep being told that we aren't social enough, suddenly we don't seem to be able to get enough of each other and actually stay at home. You know, suddenly all of those grumpy and uh, usually old voices are actually the ones struggling to cope with this new reality. And You know, why this could be such a generational shift is because we're not sure how much of what we're experiencing now is going to be permanent or at the very least semi-permanent.
1: In terms of social gatherings?
0: Well, look at the raft of cancellations of festivals, sporting and other mass gathering events. You know, we're not seeing last minute cancellations and postponements just for the summer. We're seeing calendars being wiped for six months, 12 months, sometimes even longer. We're seeing those levels of uncertainty. We don't know if there will be successive waves or mutations of the virus. We don't know if social distancing and working from home will become the new normal. We do hope that there will be a vaccine and that scientists will know enough about coronavirus in general that they can engineer new va- uh, vaccines uh, that arise uh, or mutate uh, in weeks rather than months or years. But we don't actually know any of these things. Um, there's a, a joke going around at the moment that... Uh, who was responsible for the digital transformation of your company? Was it A, your CEO, B, your CTO, uh, C, uh, a consultant, or D, coronavirus? And there is actually a lot of truth there.
1: And that's where you see the cultural shift.
0: Well, society on the other side of this could be very different. You know, people who are less trusting of social contact, uh, especially with strangers in public places. I've lost count of the number of uh, new virtual drinking games that have uh, emerged over the last two to three weeks. Now, that might seem petty and small in the grand scheme of things, but it is a shift. And after this is over, will people revert to their old habits? Will they go out and meet friends in cafes, bars and clubs? Or will they start to order in and settle down for a night with their friends, you know, playing on house party? Uh, Will companies want to run high-cost office buildings in prestige locations when they can shift the infrastructure costs onto their workers and make everyone work from home instead?
1: Hmm. Are MNCs in a better position technologically than SMEs?
0: Well, that's actually a really difficult question, and it's one of the main reasons for today's show. You know, this is a time of unprecedented economic upheaval. Some economists are talking about um, effects that might be worse than the Great Depression of the 1930s. Others are talking about a a V-shaped recession where there's a precipitous drop and a swift and rapid climb. Again, we don't know. Businesses and the people working for them are hurting. We know that for sure. Some MNCs, of course, are further along the uh, digital workflow curve than others, just as some uh, SMEs are. Uh, certainly, businesses that have the ability uh, uh, the ability to are are doing their best to incorporate things like cloud solutions, collaborative tools, and uh, e-commerce platforms into their workflow. Uh, I was joking with some friends that I'm now juggling uh, Zoom, uh, Microsoft Teams, Hangouts, Skype, and uh, good old WhatsApp for client updates and meetings because everybody's on a different platform. So we're really starting to test those limits of interoperability.
1: Mm. Is this a good time for the tech sector?
0: Well, we touched on this a little on last week's Geeks. You know, the last couple of years have seen a major backlash against tech. Uh, Some people have been calling it the tech lash, but that just sounds like a smart dog collar to me. Uh, We've seen this tranche of scandals attached to tech companies. We've seen crises in corporate governance. Uh, We've seen misogynistic and elitist work cultures. We've seen a lot of data breaches and hacks, privacy, conter- uh, privacy concerns, rather, and questionable employment practices.
1: Mm-hmm. In other words, disruption.
0: Yeah, my most hated word of uh, 2019. Um, at the start of the year, you know, we started to see the anti-disruption movement beginning to make headway, uh, laws in California and other states in the US that would extend employment rights to many gig and contract workers in this kind of tech and digital sector. Uh, We've seen plans to tighten data rules, uh, give people more rights over access to their own data, as well as plans for windfall, windfall taxes on big tech and uh, the big tech companies. So there is some reason to think that big tech could emerge from this crisis bigger and stronger than ever.
1: Mm. Um, give us a top of your head example, Matt.
0: Well, Apple launched new products last month, uh, including major updates to its iPad Pro line. Mm. Um Now, this virus has turned most people's supply chains upside down. Um, Factories are mothballed. And of course, Apple's center of production is China, which is where this virus was first detected and where large parts of the country are still experiencing some kind of lockdown.
1: Yet Apple, they had the confidence to launch new products in the middle of that chaos.
0: Yeah. So they must have been confident that they would be able to meet supply targets, uh, which means that they would have access to labor, they would have logistics networks in place, that their supply chain would be robust and able to to stand the stresses, that they would still be able to sell with a lot of their stores shut down globally by relying on their e-commerce arms. So some people may be thinking, is the world really crying out for a, a new iPad right now? But like we said, it's a demonstration of confidence that a company like Apple is confident in what will come after the coronavirus.
1: Mm. You think we're seeing more assertion from the tech company?
0: Well, look at the big ticket investments that um, China's tech companies have been uh, pouring um, into things like virus development and control and mitigation technologies. So uh, you can talk about state direction, but you know that's not the purpose of today's show. Those companies have been instrumental in China's virus response strategies, Um Again, we talked about them a lot on the uh, Geek Squad last week. But one of the big priorities we've got right now is removing human beings from these infection zones. So in China, we've seen 5G robots as uh, primary carers in field hospitals. Um, we talked about these amazing UV-emitting robots from Denmark uh, that uh, can be sent in to sanitize hospital rooms. Uh, Drones that can spray disinfectants in public areas uh, and can also deliver medicine and food to people in quarantine. And even robots that can prepare food.
1: So you're looking at it in terms of the people who weren't infected by having to do those jobs.
0: Yeah, you know, we've heard about the pressures on frontline staff, not just the health workers, but ancillary workers like sanitation crews, food and retail delivery staff. Uh, We've also heard about shortages of um, PPE gear, uh, personal protection equipment in many countries. So any technology we can use to reduce the risk to humans has got to be a good thing right now. Uh, Back to China, you know, companies like Tencent are putting their supercomputers to work on modelling virus scenarios uh, and speeding up the development of a vaccine.
1: There's also that command and control aspect.
0: Yeah, you know, um, AI-controlled uh, temperature monitoring and tracking systems in public places are uh, of, often linked to facial recognition technology that can identify people wearing surgical masks because we're seeing how important it is to check where people have gone and who they've interacted with. Singapore has systems that alert everyone if they may have come into contact with an infected person. So as crazy and bad as this situation is, for a huge chunk of the world's population, with governments that do have access to this kind of advanced technology, it is actually helping to mitigate the risk that this novel coronavirus is posing to us.
1: Mm. When we come back, how the big tech companies are weathering the storm, we'll be right back. BFM 89.9.
0: Burger. Fries, Milo, BFM 89.9 The Business Station.
1: Welcome back to MSP. Before the break, we were talking about the lasting cultural impact that COVID-19 might have on our societies. Matt, how are the big tech companies driving these changes forward?
0: I mean, where do we even start? You know, we did a, a show a couple of years ago on uh, Amazon and the force that it might become in the future. So the gains and losses are not spread equally throughout the tech world. But we are looking at changes in uh, consumer behavior that may benefit the tech giants in the longer term. You know, in the same way that I mentioned the digital transformation joke about companies in the first half, you could actually start to say the same things about consumer behavior.
1: Uh, In terms of e-commerce?
0: You know, we've seen this growing schism between bricks and mortar retailers and online retailers for a few years already. And one of the main angles for digital commerce has actually been convenience. So, you know, that's fine. There are some things that people are happy to buy online, and then they'll trust it to arrive. But there are other things that you actually want to go to the store and try before you buy. So for example, I bought two pairs of jeans in an online sale just before the virus hit. So I have no idea where when I'm actually going to be able to wear them. But normally, I wouldn't buy like that. I'd go to the store and try them to see how they fit my beautiful curvaceous body. But these were cheap enough to be worth a punt. So... Online stores have to look at other methodologies to overcome the impracticalities of their model. Uh, so you see a lot of e-commerce sites offering easy returns, some even offer monthly consignment services. Uh, Amazon and some of the, the big kind of clothing retailers online have been looking at virtual tools to allow you to use an, an avatar or even augmented reality to try on clothes from uh, from home. Um, you know, anything to reduce that friction and make people, you know, more likely to to hit that buy now button.
1: And overnight is no longer about convenience.
0: Yeah, exactly. Suddenly it's necessity. A lot of the uh, bricks and mortar stores are closed and the ones that are open, you know, we're sometimes afraid to visit. We're buying online, whether it's from big retailers or small retailers, because it's actually the only way to get things that we need right now.
1: Which puts uh, the giants like Amazon in a very powerful position.
0: Well, yeah, because the company has such an enormous logistics presence that it's pretty much an essential Service for many people. You know, we've seen the company increasing the areas it operates in over the last few years. It's added groceries to its uh, inventory of just about anything you can imagine, but we've also seen it branching out into health, medical, and financial services. Uh, and of course, then there's the ever increasing dominance of uh, AWS, Amazon's cloud computing division. And it's all riding on that enormous combination of logistics and retail intelligence and of course having an aggressive pricing strategy um to get its home control um units and speakers into as many hands as possible it's made them very very cheap Mm -hmm. alexa well yeah in in malaysia we're kind of separated from the ubiquity of alexa but it has been nothing short of a miracle um This voice that can turn on your lights, read you a book and order you groceries. Especially when you remember how poorly Amazon's attempts to branch out into smartphones with the Fire Phone uh, were received. So we still tend to think of the phone as the start and finish of our conversations with big, big tech. But Amazon has sort of quietly upended that. It's put largely screenless hardware into millions, tens of millions of homes that directly link into its enormous web of services. So now, even if you've got no one else to talk to, you still have Alexa. Um, And of course, Amazon and Alexa are bringing in more friends. Uh, Amazon has been on an aggressive hiring spree since the crisis started, aiming to recruit an additional maybe 100,000 workers to to meet demand.
1: Mm. And you think these are going to be long-lasting changes? Well,
0: yeah, you know, Amazon has been trying to target the grocery delivery business for years now. It's one of the areas where it hasn't grown at such an exponential rate. Uh, There's something about fresh produce and wanting to get your hands on it. So right now, the last thing you want is fresh produce that other people have touched. You want onions, Amazon style, picked and packed by a robot. So we'll have to wait and see. But this could be a tipping point. After this, we might see the rise or the replacement, rather, of those huge supermarkets with warehouses and distribution hubs.
1: We often loosely categorise Amazon workers in with the gig economy sector. Are we seeing the same growth across the gig sector?
0: Well, a lot of gig services have definitely taken a hit. So things like uh, your Uber and Lyft style uh, services. Now, I only have anecdotal evidence for the way those services are are being affected in Malaysia. But I ordered uh, from one of the food delivery services the other day. And rather than the usual young guy on a motorbike who came with my food, it arrived with a middle-aged, middle-class man in a mid-range saloon. Mm. So we'll Definitely see a a lot of switching going on in this sector. And also a lot of workers, um, especially from the the kind of part-time end of the the retail and F&B markets, I think we're going to see those people entering the gig sector. Uh, You know, we mentioned briefly on Geeks last week uh, a company called Instacart in the US, which is a, a supermarket shopping service where the delivery rider goes and gets the groceries for you from the shelves and then delivers them to you. It's rapidly expanding operations across the US. It's announced plans to hire as many as 300 thousand new contractors to help pick and deliver uh, its customer orders to meet demand
1: which is what you were saying about gig workers suddenly becoming part of the essential service uh, economy
0: Yeah, so that's the weird irony that some of the least protected workers in the global economy are now becoming some of its most essential. Uh, There were news reports uh, this week of a a walkout of staff at one of Amazon's New York warehouses uh, following demands that the warehouse be decontaminated and workers receive more uh, protective gear following um, some members of staff testing positive for COVID-19. So this is where those new protections we mentioned at the start of the show may actually be tested. A worker at the warehouse is claiming uh, unfair dismissal after the, the walkout. And New York Mayor Bill de Blasio has uh, pledged that the city's Human Rights Commission will actually look into the, the dismissal claims.
1: Is it all good news for gig economy workers, Matt?
0: Well, As one of the the few sectors that's still moving, obviously it's under increased scrutiny right now. um, And the companies with gig workers have a vested interest in reducing churn. They need to keep workers safe, Um, They need them to be able to pay their rent and their their bills. In the longer term, we may see pressure to roll back some of the legislation that has come in to um, govern and protect workers in the sector. Um, But, you know, I can see uh, a lot of slash and burn ahead in other economic sectors as uh, more traditional companies seek to emulate the low cost employment strategies that big tech has managed to achieve.
1: Mm. In what sense, though?
0: Well, for starters, you know, we mentioned cloud computing and cloud solutions earlier. So a lot of companies still maintain their own IT independence. Um, they maintain servers and local networks. Uh, that becomes a problem, especially especially in these work-from-home scenarios, because those tech support guys may not be allowed into the building to maintain that infrastructure. The last thing you want right now is a, a server glitch or an opportunist hack to take your inventory or supply systems offline. How would you even get it back without your staff breaking the law?
1: Mm. So we're seeing a growth for services like AWS and data centers at Microsoft and Google.
0: Well, that uh, trend was already quite pronounced. Um, You know, I'm pretty sure we'll see it escalate, especially as companies become more dependent on other business tools and services that those big companies offer. So when you look at the uh, enterprise video conferencing apps, the amount of crossover and entry points to their cloud and data services is staggering. And that's something that you'd expect because companies want simple one-stop executions that their staff can work with and will require a minimum of uh, disruption and uh, integration.
1: And simple to execute means letting someone else do the complicated stuff?
0: Yeah, because what underlies these services can't be simplified, but you can pass on the responsibility to someone else. You know, what boss wouldn't happily avoid chatting with his IT team about server redundancies and uptime and the need to reinvest? The tone of a lot of enterprise IT solutions is, don't worry pay a simple fixed fee and we'll do all the work for you. Mm. Uh, And also there's this whole kind of fit for purpose argument as well. A lot of corporate infrastructure hasn't been designed with the idea of an entire workforce working from home. So those systems are creaking and groaning from the pressure At the exact time that you need them to be um, as robust as they could possibly be.
1: Mm, Especially as we don't know what the long term economic impact of the virus will be.
0: Yeah, I mean, as I mentioned uh, uh, in the first half, you know, are companies going to start shedding the shiny corporate headquarters and requiring employees to work from home? Um, Will more employees start to become contract or gig workers? You know, although it's not intended in that way. This has become an enormous worldwide experiment in business methodology. And we don't know where it's going to end up or what the lasting impacts will be. But certainly, uh, I think businesses in the future will be geared towards or at least able to pivot at a moment's notice uh, to situations that require everyone to work remotely.
1: Mm. We haven't mentioned the social media component of the big tech.
0: Well, that's because it's a a bit of a mixed bag for them. You know, we don't have water cooler moments anymore. I guess, you know, Sofa Cushion is the new water cooler. Um, They have this enormous captive audience, but advertisers are unsure whether or not to to spend. Um, Because can anyone even buy their products and services right now? It does seem slightly odd to me because... Now, for me, is the time that brands should be working with content creators. They should be trying to do something that's a little bit more meaningful and getting kind of real and authentic messages out to people. Mm
1: -hmm. Saying that, it's still an enormous turnaround for the companies that were at the heart of the tech clash.
0: Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? You know, one of the relatively early things that the US government announced was that it was working with Google on virus information services. So, That turned out to be not quite the way that Google understood it to be, but you can see how culturally important these companies are, despite our reservations. So the idea that someone was working with Google to fix or address this problem was actually very calming to people. And people are swallowing their previously apparent distaste for those same companies in order to share memes and videos on WhatsApp or stream their breakfast live on Instagram and, of course, watch old episodes of Tomorrow's World on Facebook.
1: Well, that last one was just all you, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, very much me. Um, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is that, you know, a few months ago we were wondering whether we should be spending so much of our time on these services Instead, circumstances have changed and thank heavens we have those services to connect and entertain us. But this is still a reinforcement exercise because those same companies are not going to want you to to break those habits once this virus is brought under control. So it will be interesting to see what new features they roll out for both users and advertisers over the next few weeks obviously to retain one and to entice the latter mm-hmm.
1: anyways uh, just a reminder you know you can still catch up on MSP uh, on whatever means of podcast platforms that you usually have uh, you can also you know still get in touch with uh, Matt or as he go through his you know episodes of tomorrow's world and gives you some updates on how he's coping up with that uh, we will be uh, taking a short break uh, for MSP on BfM until the movement control order uh, is over uh, this has been MSP Uh, will be on podcasts after this, BFM 89.9
0: Thank you for listening to this podcast To find more great interviews go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes BFM 89.9 The Business Station